Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and trust that the Lord has been pleased with the services thus far and that he will continue to be with us today. I heard Elder Sonny Powell say a number of years ago that he didn't bother a text and try to preach on it until the text bothered him. Well, I've had a little different twist on that experience the last couple of days. Brother Sonny said, a text bothering him. Well, I've actually had a song that would bother me that I can't get off my mind. We just sang that song, Here Our Heavenly Father Cares. This song was written by J.F. Parker, who died about 50 years ago and don't know anything about him. You know, I've, I've said for a long time that, uh, you know, anything in the world you want to know, all you have to do is Google it, and you can find out. So I Googled J.F. Parker. He ain't there. <laughs> I mean, he's hidden in the depths of antiquity somewhere. But I did find out and have been told by Elder Sam Bryant that Brother Bryant did meet J.F. Parker and said that Brother Parker wrote a couple of songs, another one in our book, The uh, Bride of Christ, number 217. He also wrote that song. And he wanted to write some songs that were very simple for the church to sing that would be very encouraging to the church. And I guess that's the reason it's on my mind this morning is our need of our Father's care today in the world that we live in. If you think about the world that we live in, we live in a, in a very interesting time. And the aspect of interesting that I have on my thought this morning, you can turn on your TV, you can turn on your radio, turn on your computer, pick up your phone, and you can find out what is happening in any part of the world right now. I mean, if you want to know what's happening in China right now, or what's happening in Africa, or what happened in Africa five minutes ago, you can find that out, can't you? We just live in constant contact with everything else in the world. We can, can find out any piece of information that we need. As I said, you can Google almost anything and find out all of this. You can hook up to Facebook and you can have 5,000 friends on Facebook. You don't even have to get out of your house. You can call and have food delivered. You can have your groceries delivered to you. You can get on Amazon. You don't even have to go buy anything. So we live in a world with so much knowledge and so many conveniences. And yet, we can feel like we're all alone in the world. Has anybody here ever felt that way? That in the midst of all of that, we can feel so alone. And perhaps that's one of the greatest tragedies. It's what's happened in the last five or six months is the fact that so many people are sitting there alone, feeling helpless, like nobody understands and nobody cares. And it's real. I mentioned just a few minutes ago of Elder Sam Bryant mentioning some of the history of that song that we just sang for the final song. 
And he said even he has felt great depression in the last few months being alone. Well, in the midst of not only the times that we're living in, but what is normal for us in our lives today, isn't it comforting to know that our Heavenly Father cares? And what I'd like to bring forth to you this morning, if the Lord would bless us for a little while, is what that song that we sang mentioned. There's three particular aspects that I want us to think about this morning, and I hope that it brings some comfort to your heart and soul today. The first thing that we have to understand is that God knows. The second thing is that God cares. Did I say second or third? Second, okay. I have trouble counting sometimes. All right. The third thing is that God supplies what we need. He knows, he cares, and he supplies. You know, knowledge is one thing. You know, I'm aware of a lot of things going on in this world today, and there's a whole awful lot of them I just don't care about. Now, there are a lot of things that I care about. I know about it, and I care about it, but it's not within my power to do anything about it. I can't supply the remedy. I can't fix the problem. But aren't you thankful that we serve a God today that can fix any problem? I want to begin looking in, in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. In Matthew chapter 6, as, as our Savior was teaching on prayer, and as he began to teach on prayer, and he, he was telling his disciples some, some aspects about praying, he says in verse 6, he said, Enter into thy closet and pray in secret. And he said, Don't, in verse 7, don't use these vain repetitions. Have you ever found yourself in prayer where you seem like you repeat the same thing over and over? I mean, I do that all the time. You know, every meal I pray over seems like there's certain phrases or aspects I'll say every time. My morning prayers, my evening prayers, seems like I'm saying the same thing over and over. So what's the difference between a vain repetition and a repetition? A repetition is okay, but a vain repetition is not okay. What's the difference? Well, it's a very easy difference. A vain repetition comes from your mind. A repetition is okay and it's fine with God's when it comes from your heart. That's all the difference there is, is where it's coming from. Now, the Lord said, don't use vain repetitions. You know, you're not heard for much speaking. And then he says in verse 8, look at the last half of that verse. He says, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Now, isn't that a comforting thought that our father knows what we need before we even ask? I'm, I'm a, and I, I may have related this story. I read a book 30 years ago, I guess, and it's on George Mueller, a great preacher and in, uh, in England back in the 17 or 1800s and wasn't a primitive Baptist. And, but he wanted his church to learn a little bit about prayer and trusting God and having faith. So you know what he did? 
with the church's blessing to, to help the church learn to trust God. I'm not recommending that we start that here at Lubbock, but if we went to, that's fine. But his idea was let's start an orphanage and take care of kids. So they did. So they start, they rented a building and they started this orphanage. And here's the problem. The church wasn't rich. How are they going to take care of all of these kids? And so George Mueller found himself praying and praying that the Lord would provide. And I recall in his experiences of running that orphanage, there was one time that he uh, knew of a need. He went to the office of the orphanage. I said, this is how much money we need to buy food for the day. And so he said, okay, I'll go back to my, my office at the church and I'll pray for it. So he went back and he prayed and he got up and on his way walking back to the orphanage, a man met him and gave him some money. And it was exactly what they needed. And then he says there was a time when they told him at the church what they needed. And so he said, okay, I'm going back to my office to pray for it. And so he went back to his office and he prayed for it. And as soon as he said amen and stood up, here was a man holding the money out. Now, I'm not saying this is happening all in three days. This, this happened over ten years. But then there was another time. He went to the, to the orphanage, and they said, this is how much money we need to get us through today. And so he said, okay, I'm going to go back to my office and pray that the Lord will provide. And while he was walking to his office to go pray, a man met him and gave him the money. You see, the Lord knows our needs before we ask, doesn't he? Now, why is it important for us, if God knows our needs before that we even ask, why is it important that we go to the Lord in prayer? It is so important for us to go to the Lord in prayer several times a day because we need that communication with our God. We need to be in close communion with our God all the time. We need to also realize our utter dependence upon God each and every day. In fact, each and every moment of our day, we need to understand the great reliance that we have on our God. We need to have that reliance and that close communication. You know, this, this communication is important. You know, I could tell my bride that I love her. But if I only showed up at home once a week for about 30 minutes, and then I'd be gone and wouldn't show back up for another, you know, two weeks, but I'd leave her, I love you. I wonder how long it'd be before she'd finally figure out that I was telling a story. You know, if you love somebody, you're going to want to spend some time with them, aren't you? We need to do that with God. Spend time in prayer. He said, God knows what we have in need of. So let's think about this, this for a moment, about this idea that God knows. You remember over in the very last chapter of the book of John, John chapter 21, here's the time that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he had risen, he had, he had appeared unto the disciples and it came to a point that after Christ had left him after one of those appearances, remember Peter said, I go fishing. And those other apostles, they went with them. And they went out 
fishing. And it's interesting when you get to the book of John and you get to uh, chapter 21 and verse 14. It said, now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. I think that third that idea about being number three is very important. Y'all remember how many times that Peter denied the Lord? Three times. Well, here we're getting ready to get into something else on this third appearance to his disciples. He asked Peter a question. Simon Peter, he asked a question, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Speaking of the fish that Peter and the other fishermen there had just caught. And Simon said, Lord, I know that thou knowest that I love thee. He said, feed my lambs. And he repeated that question. And he repeated it the third time. And notice in verse 17, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And says, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time. Why do you reckon the Lord asked this question three times? I believe it's because Peter denied him three times. But then notice Peter's response, and this is the part that I really wanted out of this account. Peter said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Now there are times in the scriptures when you read that word all, it doesn't mean every single thing under creation. You know, when it says that the gospel was preached unto all men, that doesn't mean that it was preached to everybody that's ever lived on the face of earth or ever will live. That's not what that means. But when he's talking, when Peter said here, thou knowest all things, do you know what things that Peter was talking about? All things. Our God knows all things. You want me to tell you something real scary? God knows exactly what you're thinking right now. You know, if you're thinking about, I wonder what's for lunch, I wish that idiot would shut up and sit down. You know, how much longer is this going to go on? You know, God knows every single one of those thoughts. Isn't that amazing? But here's what gives me comfort in that fact. Perhaps... This morning, you're cast down and discouraged because of something that happened this week. Perhaps things didn't go well. Perhaps you're concerned about your health or the health of a husband or a wife or a child or a friend. Perhaps you're concerned about your job. Perhaps there's other concerns that you have that nobody else knows but you. And your heart is grieving and fearful today let me tell you this morning God knows he knows what's on your heart today whatever fears whatever whatever uh, anxious thought that you may have our God knows I love the words that the psalmist wrote for us in Psalm uh, 139 I want to read just a few verses of Psalm 139 that speak to this this idea of of the power of God and, and his knowledge that, that God has. Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and has known me. 
Thou knowest my down-sitting, mine uprising. Thou understand my thought afar off. And then when you come down further, he says in verse 7, Whither shall I go from my, thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up in heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, I believe he's talking about the grave there. Behold, thou art there, or could be things in this life. If, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Not only is our God a God who knows all things, he's a God who is everywhere present and nowhere absent. Verse 11, he says, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night, shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. Aren't you glad that when it turns dark, when we feel alone and we're all uh, fearful? You know, when I was a kid and people talking about being scared in the dark, I never was scared of the dark. I mean, of the dark. I was scared of what was in the dark. You know, I know what kind of creepy, weird things was out there. But you know, to the Lord, darkness and light is the same. You know, this world has got a thing about darkness. You know, a few years back, I had the, had the opportunity to, I don't know if opportunity is the right word, uh, the experience of having a business meeting in Las Vegas. And the hotel where our convention was was just right there on, on the strip in Las Vegas. And, and I found out it was true what they said. You know, Las Vegas doesn't start going till 9 p.m. You know, they, they told me that there was a, a, a club outside my room, 24s below me, that stayed open till 4 a.m. So that won't bother me. I was wrong. It did. The noise bothered me. But my point is, here this place lives in the dark. You know, we people that do things that we know are wrong, you know what we try to hide under? Darkness. You know, that's the reason a lot of these places aren't open till those hours. You know, if you see places that are open in the dark, you probably need to be asking yourself questions. You know, I'm not talking about 7-Eleven being opened all night, but there are some places you need to ask your question, why do they have the hours that they do? But it doesn't make any difference to God. It doesn't make any difference where you're at. He knows what's going on. Our God knows every thought, every action, every fear that we have in our being. And not only does God know these things, He cares. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 12. Let's go to Luke 12. <clears throat> How much does God care about you? How much does God know about you? In Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse, fit, uh, verse 6, the Lord says, Are not five sparrows sold for two far farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 
Isn't that amazing? You think about that. The knowledge that God had knows every single hair. Sometimes I I, I just wander off into to uh, profitless speculation. All right, profitless speculation. If God has numbered every one of my hairs, and He's known that ever since I was born, every one of them has fallen out over the last sixty years. He knows exactly where that's at. Now that's of no profit, but it's an interesting thought. But anyhow, He said that ye are of more value than many sparrows. Now, now turn on down or, or look on down in verse twenty-four. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? You're worried about the food that you eat and that you're going to need? God cares. He's saying right here, he takes care of, of the ravens. And you're a whole awful lot more important to God the Father than, than a bird, a sparrow, or the raven is mentioned here in this verse. If God can take care of all of the animals and the birds and the creepy crawly things, you know, as one feller used to say, all the dogs and cats and bats and rats, if God can take care of all of them, he's going to take care of you. You're much more important. And all of those things. And then look even further down. You say, well, okay, I, I know I've got my grits to eat and my beans. I, I can survive. But I need a nice three-piece suit for church on Sunday. Can God take care of that? Well, he's going to give you what you need. Look what he says about the lilies of the field. Verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then, notice the logic and, and what the, the, the Savior is teaching us. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Anybody here like a beautiful green lawn? You know, you know. I, you know, it looks nice and pretty. You have a nice green lawn. I used to spend hours watering and weeding and, and mowing all of that stuff so I could keep, you know, I wanted to have the best-looking yard. But you know what come about November? You know what happens to that beautiful green yard? Or July if it's in West Texas and it ain't raining. It turns brown. All right? It ain't pretty anymore. It's dead. Or you cut that grass and you throw those clippings out behind your house. What's going to happen to them? They'll die. They'll turn brown. And they'll rot. So if God is taking care of flowers and the grass, the beautiful flowers, the beautiful lilies and other uh, things that we think are so beautiful, if all of those things that are cast down will be destroyed, it says here, how much more will he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? God will take care of us. Not as he know our needs, he cares 
for you and I. He cares about us. He takes care of this natural world. And he's going to take care of you and I. Of all the things in this world. I mean, there's a lot of things in this world that are of great value, aren't they? I mean, we have our houses and our fields and our retirement accounts and our automobiles and all these things, pretty things, shiny gold that we like to look at. Of all the things that we have, what's the most valuable? If you look in God's eyes, what's most valuable? His people. His children. How many times have you heard stories of rich men <coughs> on their deathbed would say, call their family around and said, I'm sorry. I wish I would have spent more time at work and less time with you people. No, that's not what they say, is it? I've never heard one like that. It's always, I'm sorry I didn't spend more time. We are important to God. God has given us, you realize that the reason that we have all of these things, because God loves us so much, he gave these things to us because he loved us. Why do you think God has blessed us with an overabundance of food and nice houses and all these things that we have? Because he loves us. Isn't that the lesson that, that uh, I can't remember if it's back in Matthew 7 or if it's Luke 7, it's 7 somewhere, about if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your son. You know, the story is, you know, if a son, you know, asks for a fish or bread, you're going to give him a rock or a scorpion? No, you're going to give him what he wants. And he says, how much more a father is going to give us good things. So as we think about our God, who knows our every need, who cares about us, here's a God that loves us so much. He cares for when we're sad and we're discouraged. And he lifts us up. The words of Psalm I think it's 107 in verse 9. Psalm 107 in verse 9 says, For he satisfieth the longing soul. Have you ever had a longing soul? There's a lot of people in this world that have longing souls. God is the only one that can satisfy it. Proverbs says, He that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver. There's some people in this world that think if I just had this or that, I'd be satisfied. No, they wouldn't. You know, there's a lot going on in the world today. We need to rename this. We need to rename this. We need to rename this. Some people get the idea that once they get through renaming everything, they're going to be happy. Wrong. They're not. That's not what the Bible teaches. The longing soul will not be satisfied with anything but God. And he says, for he satisfied the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. If you're here this morning and you have a longing soul or a hungry soul, 
be encouraged that God can fill your every need. Paul wrote the church at Philippi. In the latter part of that book of Philippians in chapter 4, near the end of this letter, he wrote these words in verse 19 to this church, a church that he loved dearly. He had a special relationship, a church that had supplied many things to him. And here's what Paul writes to that church. They had many needs and many cares and many concerns. But here's what he says. But my God shall supply all your need. Do you notice the words in that? I read them real slow. I didn't want you to miss them. He said, God shall. Shall do something. What's he going to do? He will supply something. He will give us something that we need. He'll give us part of what we need, most of it, majority of it. He says, all. My God. I like that, too. My God shall supply all your need. Isn't that wonderful? A God that not only knows our need, a God that not only cares about us, but he's a God that will provide all of our needs. Now, I think it's pretty significant, and you know this, that the Lord never promised to give us our wants. You know, I get real confused in my prayer life, the difference between a need and a want. There's a lot of things I think I need. I really think I do, but I don't. They're just wants. But God knows what I need. And you know what he's going to give me? What I need. Now let's begin to close this by going over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in verse 32. Here's God. You wonder about, does God really care about me? Does, really, does God really love me? Is God really concerned about me? Is God really going to provide what I need? Well, this verse reminds us of something that God has already done. Romans 8, verse 32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What what the Lord has inspired Paul to write in this letter is the fact that here is God Almighty, God the Father in heaven above. And he looked down and saw you and I in sin. And he loved us so much and he cared for us so much and he wanted us to be in heaven with him that he sent his only begotten son, his son Jesus Christ, our Savior. He sent him to this earth to die for you and I. He sent him to die. If God did that to his own son and suffered that wrath upon his own son there upon the cross, if God did that for us, you think God's going to give us supper? He'll give us our needs, won't he? If God will give us that supreme thing, his only begotten son, 
to give us what we need. And I want to close by reading just a little bit of that song that we sang for that last song on the 151. I want to read to you again the last verse of this song. Now remember where we've been. Our Father cares. He knows our every need. He knows our every care. And he cares and he loves us and he's going to supply us. And he says in verse 3, the writer of this hymn, when we find ourselves in need, then we to the Father plead. I think that describes my life. How about your life? For he is our friend indeed. Wait a minute. What's a true friend indeed? Is a friend indeed something kind of like a Facebook friend? You know, one that you've never met? No, a friend indeed is one that if you need something, they're there. He says, for he is our friend indeed, and he cares. Now notice this. He'll be watching over us when we're sleeping in the dust. What does that mean? He'll be watching over us when we're sleeping in the dust. Sounds to me like he's talking about dead. We're dead. That's what he's talking about when we're dead. Now, you know, I've had some pets before that I cared about that I really liked, and when they died and put them in the ground, I don't care about them no more. They're gone. God didn't like that. When we're in the ground, we're dead. We breathe our last. He still cares. Isn't that amazing? And then notice how he ends. And he'll come again for us. For he cares. Isn't that amazing? A God who cares so much about us. He gives us what we need. He sent his son for us. And he loves us so much that he's going to come again and take us to heaven. I love a God who cares that much.